What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Deja Vu Podcast. Today on this podcast, where we look back at the TV shows of a long time ago, uh, we were talking about The Sopranos. We're starting season five of The Sopranos, Travis. How are you doing? Travis Mejia. I'm doing really, really good. Mm-hmm. I'm doing awesome. I'm not uh, I'm not drinking oh, alcohol that's good. on this episode. That's good. I'll be clear-headed, ready to go. You should have just said, stop it drinking alcohol. We could have championed you on your sobriety. Uh, Yeah, no, did not stop drinking alcohol together. But I'm not hung over this week, so my teeth don't hurt. So that's good. That's good. And you're drinking a Starbucks coffee. Not Starbucks. I'm sorry, uh, Chick-fil-A. Yeah, Jesus Chicken. Just a little Jesus chicken coffee You here. hate the gays so much, you just want a coffee from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Sir, I love the gays. All right, that's not what I... I'm a friend of the gays. That's not but what I've that heard. Jesus chicken, man, I can't help it. I just can't... It, it, sandwiches and, and coffees are just too dang good. Mm-hmm. They're good. Yeah, find me a Satan chicken. I'll go eat Ooh, there too. Oh wait, that's, that's Popeyes. Popeyes. Yeah, Popeyes is Satan. I eat chicken. there all the time. Well, Satan laughs when you eat Popeyes. He laughs. <laughs> He's happy. Jesus cries that you're not in his chicken place. Well, what about church's chicken? I mean, that is Jesus. That's church. You're going to church for chicken. That's like Christian chicken. That's mm-hmm. different than Jesus. Jesus chicken. Okay. Christian chicken. It's like. It's the facade of of goodness, right. but it's actually a hypocrite chicken. Ooh, okay. It's really all it's all the it's all breading, no substance on the inside. I don't think you ever had church's chicken. It's uh, it's it's <clears throat> not that great. Be honest with you, church's chicken is all, you know you're in a rougher neighborhood when you drive by a church's chicken. Okay. Same thing with William's chicken. Yes, that's William's just a chicken. Fact. Yeah, that is a fact. Those are just facts. Facts. Facts and knowledge. That's what we give you on this podcast, right? Yes. Facts and knowledge. Maybe not always about TV, but sometimes about chicken. About chicken. And about coffee. Where do you think Tony gets his fried chicken from? Do you think Tony eats fried chicken? Uh, He definitely eats fried chicken. They probably go to KFC. That would be my guess. I you know I I just don't see there being a lot of a lot of variety in chicken, and this was also two thousand three or four. So the chicken strip hadn't really exploded the way it has. Well, today. I just don't know like when did Canes open? When did churches open? When did Chick Fil A? I guess Chick Fil A was around. Yeah, but like the your chicken finger places like the Canes and Slims and. Uh, I guess you could kind of throw Chicken Express into that that uh, realm. I want to say they kind of exploded near the mid to late 2000s. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see Tony eating a bunch of chicken fingers right at this moment. No, but I could see him going to get a bucket of chicken at KFC. I could see that. I could see the KFC being the staple, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the, the standard. Mm-hmm. There, there were not a lot of Italian dishes in this episode. I noticed there weren't. Were not there? a lot of uh, big ziti. Not a lot of no. Whatever they call the. There was no gabagool. No gabagool for, uh, for quite a while. Yeah, there was a, a roast. 
And yeah, yeah. There was <clears throat> clam chowder. <laughs> AJ wasn't real happy about the clam chowder, was he? No, not at all. He's just gone full angsty teenager now. Yeah. I see. Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, his Which, parents are getting divorced. And yeah. it's just, it's been like a year, right? It's been about a year. It's been a bit a bit of time because Janice and Bobby are married. We've seen yep. that. We have you know, uh they are separated, Tony and hit and Carmela. But they but are not still working on like details yes, of the divorce. Not... So that that kind of leads you to believe that it's somewhere in the like what six, nine, ten, eleven month range, sure. something like that. Yeah, and AJ is hates his mom because <laughs> you know, usually I, I don't know. I, I in the Seppenwall book he said that usually <clears throat> the custodial parent is the one that's blamed for the divorce. That uh that plays mm-hmm. yeah no that's that's correct as a product of of divorce yes that certainly plays so yeah uh first episode of season one. Oh, i forgot to write what what this was called. oh two tonys that's what two tonys called. yeah and this we think it's <clears throat> about tony soprano and steve Buscemi's character who's also named tony but really it's about him going to melfi all creepily and being like yeah there's two two sides of me there's two tonys the you're one to see the other you're one. gonna see it and uh very i don't know like he just can't take a hint about why someone like her would not want to go out with him i don't think he's ever really been rejected no. like his whole entire life even when he was you know a teenager and a kid he's like royalty yeah and the people that he's associated with and gone after have you know, sort of been associated with him in some way, or at least know who he is. Whereas Melfi is affected by all the same things that everybody else is. But she's an outsider. Yes. So she's able to kind of like, she's not glorifying it like the others are. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she does admit that she is <clears throat> like a tad attracted to the um, him. him, like Just, as far as the danger aspect, or maybe mm-hmm. somewhat sexually attracted but she's yeah. a smart enough woman uh, to know this is a no-no. This is uh, morally, this is bad. And I really enjoyed the end of the episode where uh, she pretty much lays it out. Uh, well, I think I have exactly. Uh, you're not a truthful person, she tells him. You're not respectful of women. You're not really respectful of people. You take what you want from them by force or the threat of force. I couldn't live like that. I couldn't bear witness to violence. So, like, she, he, he's, like, barbing her, like, hey, no, tell me why. Tell me why. Tell me right. why. And then she tells him the truth. Cause, and then he calls her an effing C. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because. It, it, it's funny. Her therapist, I think this is the first time anybody actually refers to Tony as this, but her therapist refers to him as a sociopath. Yes. And that perfectly encompasses his attitude towards everything is just, it's very about him. And like, he can see the damage that's being done, but it just doesn't affect mm-hmm. him. Like the, the wake that he leaves just does not affect him at all. Mm-hmm. He just moves on to the next thing. And, uh, 
this is kind of one of those things. You, know, you could where... argue everyone in the mob is a sociopath. For sure. Especially when we talk about Christopher and Paulie, who have mm-hmm. their own sort of, you know, weird relationship going on where we we get to the, the start of the episode and they're talking about the Pine Barrens and they're just joking around and then they that, that becomes like almost to fisticuffs, you know, between like them. Like a huge beef. Yeah. And and then uh, Christopher feels disrespected because, well, pretty much Polly doesn't like that he's, you know, Tony's little pet. And right. Christopher doesn't like that he's having to pay for all these dinners, these expensive dinners. And then they go to uh, a restaurant in Atlantic City. And Polly, like, just orders just ridiculous amount of food and, and drinks. And get, he's and having a great He's time. having a good time. And then, you know, they're about to... It looks like one of one of them is about to kill the other, and then the waiter comes out, and they decide to put all their <laughs> anger towards him and murder that guy. And that was hilarious. Yes. Just like this poor dude, he first of all super ballsy to get not even stiffed. He just only got like a forty dollar tip on a two thousand dollar bill. I thought he got like sixteen dollars. You said sixteen dollars, whatever, something like ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's a ridiculous amount, but real ballsy to go out and, like, say something to the people. Yeah, that might be a New Espe- York thing. It might be a New York thing, but then for them to chuck a brick at the guy, hit him in the back of the head, cause a seizure, and then Polly completely freak out and just shoot the guy dead. <laughs> that was an insane sequence. And then, like, the next day, they're just... We need to bury the hatchet. Yeah. Let's hey, put this all behind us. You know us. what, man? Sometimes. We'll split the bill. We'll split the Homicide bill. Homicide can really bring friends together, right? I guess so. That was a, that. It was also funny wa- listening to them like retell the Pine Barrens story yeah. with some new twists and some new like once they got into it, got into it with each other, some new incriminating evidence against mm-hmm. each other for in each situation. I love that they keep bringing it back up. Like that that there's a few seminal moments in this show that like they keep in the rotation. Pussy, um the, the Pine Barrens, a couple other other things that just like they're kind of just running. I mean it's themes. it's definitely like greatest hits kind of thing. Like yes. like community kind of does that. Uh watch mm-hmm. community and and like they'll call back to a certain episode that was like a fan favorite probably or mm-hmm. you know a lot of shows will kind of do that they'll harken back to like an, epi- an episode everyone kind of remembers and that that was one that everyone remembered and really liked so you know it's they they, they kind of do harken back to the pine barrens a lot and i think for good reason yeah i also think that like I just kind of realized something the other the other day they were they they talked about it's in the second episode. I'll just let me write a note and I'll be sure to mention it in yeah, the second episode. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh let's see here. I have a whole bunch of notes, notesy notesy notes. We um Yeah, so the, the start of the episode, it's at the Sopranos house. It's the same place, but different. You notice, like, the pool is kind of not been used. It feels mm-hmm. abandoned. The house does. The house feels abandoned. We know that, you know, Tony doesn't live there anymore. I mean, Meadow's in college. We have Carmela living there with 
AJ and AJ and yep. and Tony's been like you know he's been doing the step or the dad thing of buying him a whole bunch of stuff, trying to get him in his favor, buys him a drum set. <laughs> uh, this is the first season premiere that you don't have Tony walking out to pick up right. The paper. Yeah, and they had the them running over the paper, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's always the Star Ledger, mm-hmm. and uh, this season. The events of this season are sort of based out of some Rico trials that happened in the 80s. Okay. Yes, yes. That, like, were covered very heavily in the Star Ledger. Mm-hmm. And Chase, like, went back and kind of stole some storylines from it. Okay. I, I thought that was pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, oh, my uh, friend is having a girl. That's great. Anyway. Oh, they, I a baby got, got, got born. I got a picture of a... One of those, um, for, you know, the yeah. sonogram, you no, know, the uh, parties where they open like a thing and white or pink powder. Oh, a gender reveal? gender reveal, yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm glad I wasn't there. Uh, yeah, good job, <laughs> good job. Anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah, we have a whole bunch of people leaving from leaving prison pretty much, and yep, one of them, and actually, the news story. So, the news story they had about kind of the exposition about these people that are leaving class prison. of 2004 and the the news reporter was matthew weiner do you know yes, who it was. matthew weiner is i do know who matthew weiner mm-hmm. is uh of madman yes and game of thrones and boardwalk empire yeah, so he is the writer he's a writer this season and yeah, he, this is his first uh, his first episode. Yeah. He, I think he's he helps on the second you one. Know, he, too. he no 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 he wrote the second one. This was written by he wrote the second yeah, one. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Supra- uh, I guess I guess he actually wrote like a. I think the reason he got the job was because he wrote like a little thing that turned into Mad Men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mad that Men's is what I read. Show. Mad Men is uh, I like you know I didn't quite make it all the way through that mm-hmm. one. I think I didn't go back i didn't finish the like last two seasons you know what i i similar here i didn't finish the second half of the last season i still need to go yeah. back and watch like those six episodes yeah for whatever reason same i don't know why it very similar to sopranos i just kind of like stopped in the middle yeah didn't really intentionally not ever go back to it i just never made it back oh exactly <clears throat> uh yeah so oh also yeah, in that group we have, I think, there's two two guys, uh, Feech or Fetch yeah. Lamana, yeah, and, and he's the guy that uh, Junior and Tony are talking to about the sports book, right. right? And he was supposed to be a much bigger character, but it turns out the actor was like. You know, not a hundred percent with it, mm. and his he just was old. Yeah. He was old, so they kind of had teased him in this episode to give him a larger role, and then they end up not really using him. Well, maybe as much. that's what they do with Phil Leotardo because that's Frank Vincent, who was in. Everyone knows him from uh, Goodfellas. Get your fucking shine box, <laughs> and he, I know for a fact, plays a big role the next season, if not this yeah. season. Yeah, he's pretty significant. So that's probably where that comes yeah, from. Yeah, probably. But uh, in this group is Steve Buscemi. We see him, and uh, we kind of we learn that he's Tony's cousin, and they were very close. He's the other Tony. The other Tony, very close. 
Uh, he's very excited for him to come back from prison. Uh, we also get a big old bear uh, visiting <laughs> Sopranos' house. Hell yeah! We uh, AJ. Very, uh, that was th- very sh- Dudley Dursley of AJ with the like in Harry Potter with Mommy. the snake. Yeah, yeah. That was the most uh, Dudley Dursley he's ever been. <laughs> this show does not mix its animal metaphors no, it at all. Yeah, but this is. This one is just so on the head. Um, so Tony leaves, and the big, aggressive, vicious bear comes. Harry comes. Yeah, yeah Harry Bear arrives to take his place, yes. <laughs> menacing the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, on the nose, pretty much. And Tony kind of, you know, can kill two birds with one stone. He can send his his men to go over there and watch after, but also take notes about who, you know, Carmelo's talking to, who's coming in, who's going out. He's very paranoid. Oh, mm-hmm. he also, we know that he send, sent like his goons on Furio in Italy. So Furio, ever, yep. poor Furio, if he ever, poor guy, yeah. he did everything right. <laughs> know, he he moved to another country. Yeah, he did. Our guy, mm-hmm. our guy. He, uh, poor Furio. He just he deserves so much better. Well, he was kind better. of a vicious guy too. I mean, it was a, he was a product of his situation. Yeah, well, Trey. he did kind of just I don't know. Well, I I don't know. He probably wasn't a, a saint. Look, it sounds like you're not smitten with the ponytail like me and Carmelo. No, are, you you so. definitely have more of an affection for the ponytail than I do. <laughs> I, I just like to be able to grab onto something. Okay, you know? moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode. I, I I thought it was fun. Yeah. It wasn't like I wouldn't say this is like one of my favorite episodes or anything, but it was different. It was fun. It was fast paced. Uh, you know, they they're catching you up on a lot of stuff. I enjoyed all the Chris and Polly yeah. stuff. I also okay, so my favorite thing maybe from this episode is all last season. Johnny Sack was either plotting against Carmine or telling us about how healthy the man was. Mm-hmm. And then he comes out and has a heart, uh, a stroke in the first episode yeah. of the next season. <laughs> Which is nice. Now Tony can finally start wearing shorts again. Yeah, he can. Um, let me see my notes here. So, uh, Okay, they have a whole bunch of Prince of Tides references about... So like yeah, he sends her some Tide, which is a reference to I I've not seen that movie, but I guess it has to do with a psychiatrist and a, a gangster of some kind. I I don't know. Oh, the drum set was five thousand dollars. Is that right for a drum set? Do you know? I don't. I don't know. Probably. Let's, see. Yeah. Let's go Amazon drum sets. Drum set. Uh, Tony has a grenade. I think that grenade was a meta uh, or a. a foreshadowing he saw a grenade and uh, their I, weapons closet. that was a really that was a really funny inner interaction with uh carmella and whatever that dude's name was yeah just the just the casualness of it you want something to eat nah i went over to to whatever it was and got some tacos as there she's handing him an ak-47 and they're just both looking at like AK-47, four grenades seven dude so ridiculous yeah. you need like a shotgun Right, didn't earlier in the episode like AJ asked Carmela where the gun what guns were, and she told him that like Tony had taken them all out of the house or something. I don't remember that. 
I don't know. I can't remember. I was I was kind of in and out at the beginning. I was eating burnt ends, mm. so I was a little distracted. Sorry. There was a, a meteor, <clears throat> fun Polly, uh, Chris meteor <laughs> joke. I forgot exactly what it was. I just wrote down meteor. He said, uh, oh, he said meat eater or something. Yeah. He was talking about a meat eater, and he called it a meteor or something yeah. like that. I don't remember. Uh, I'm looking, and I'm on Amazon here. It looks like uh, drum sets are pretty affordable. I'm sure you can get a five thousand dollars oh, yeah, drum easily set. Easily could, yes. But uh, you don't have to spend that much. Okay. Uh, Chris has a Gumar now. He ha- didn't have one until we now we see him with one. Is that a Gumar? Is that just a girl? I, I mean, I assume if it's just a, if it's another girl. I thought because we've seen him like have like girls sit on his lap or whatever, but we've never like never with any consistency. You know I don't I mean? know. That seemed like a dinner that you would bring a gumar to. Maybe, maybe it it does seem like that that is the situation where he would bring a gumar if he did have one. Oh, and give yeah, g- given the way things are going at home with him and Adriana, Adriana then uh, I wouldn't be super surprised. So this is the Easter baskets episode as well. The, uh, the so I don't know uh, IJB or, or Jake and TC they um they always bring up this scene in The Sopranos where Chris where Chris comes to Tony and Tony's like hey we need to talk and he goes is this about the Easter baskets and Tony's like what are you even talking about no and I always thought that was funny but uh, that this is the episode where they mention that the Easter baskets where he comes to his office because Tony used to talk to him about him not paying for the dinner. Right, and he says, "Hey, is this about the Easter baskets?" And Tony's like, "What? No." <laughs> Never- okay. Yeah, I didn't. I guess well, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, I I remember Jake and TC mentioning that before, and thinking just that it's so out of the blue. And well, no, random. just like it's a funny scenario. Like you know, the let's say your wife says, "Hey, I need to talk to you about something," and then mm-hmm. you say, "Oh, is this about this?" But she guy has no clue what you're talking about. It's like, right. oh, that's no, like, I- yeah, it's funny. It's like a funny situation. I don't know. Yeah, it was funny. I wrote it, it down. Uh, they, I don't know. Um, I'm glad you mentioned it. I, I'm you. enjoying it. I'm I'm laughing with you. Oh, also, Tony has a weird voice crack. I think this is the season where Tony's voice starts to change. This is this is 100% the season yeah. that he lost weight in the off season. Oh yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm I don't know that for certain, but just given that in these first two episodes, there's like four mentions of his weight. There are, yeah guarantee this is the season that they made that man gain weight back yeah which in hindsight is kind of gross well yeah go ahead defend it i'm not gonna i don't uh, care hindsight 2020 be damned well you can always i guess they can always just like hey put on a fat suit uh tony or or the character could have just lost some weight yeah weight loss I, yeah, th- I'm just guessing just because I think there was one or two in this this episode. And then the next episode, like the guy saying that he lost weight tips him off that he's an informant. Or, yes, guess, that, was a, that was the next um, <clears throat> next episode. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the next and episode. Also, yeah, and then also Tony calls him. Tony B. Uh, Bushimi calls him fat. Tony B. Bushimi. Ah, oh, Tony Bushimi. Right? I believe so. Uh, okay, yeah. So episode two. This is uh, the episode where we finally get Steve Buscemi. Uh, we, we they were teasing him the last episode, 
this mm-hmm. episode, he's here. So, because, so Steve Buscemi was very much involved with the show from the, it seemed like the start. You know, like he was, he was mm-hmm. very involved. He was directing episodes, uh, hanging out on set. So I'm, I'm wondering how much of, of a big deal was this? Because, you know, not like until, him moving into an on air, like or an on screen role. Well, I mentioned that because, you know, I mean, nowadays you see big stars in TV shows and that's pretty much that's just how it is. You know, because mm-hmm. TV is just another medium. It's just as good. They're just as good as movies. You see that all the time now. Um, right. Movie stars in TV roles. Well, not all the time, but a lot of times. And a lot of times it's... Way more common now than it yes. ever has been. And so back then, was it a big deal for them to be like, we got Steve Buscemi in this season. That's huge. Okay. I. I but since he was so I involved, hear what you're saying. Is it not that... I hear what you're yeah. saying. But... Like... Steve Buscemi is a really big deal. Don't get me wrong when I say this, but is Steve Buscemi that guy? I think he is high enough of a an actor or a celebrity. I, I think so. Like he is. He's I definitely... almost think he's at the perfect level where he could bounce back. I and mean, that might just be, you know, me thinking back and you know he did an entire series for Boardwalk yeah. and he's done that some other things after. on. It was, but like again, that's kind of, that's skewing my mind mm-hmm. that like this guy's known for doing some TV. I think I think him as and uh, Boardwalk Empire was was a big deal. I've, yeah, that was a big deal. I, I mean, I think Steve Buscemi is um, a very high profile actor. I I mean, I'm I respect him greatly. I just don't I don't know if he's one of those dudes that like he's so big that he couldn't move into a different medium. You know what I mean? Okay, you know I know what I'm trying he, to say? he's a bit like Joaquin Phoenix, I would say. I, I think more more mainstream than Joaquin, but uh, he does a lot of like independent or kind of art yeah. films, I would say maybe. Yeah. He might have the niche that He also does Adam Sandler like, films. <laughs> yeah, he does Adam Sandler films that he is so diversified mm-hmm. and that he has already kind of dipped his toes into doing things like that throughout his entire yeah. career that it wasn't out of the character out of character sure. for him so it was more accepted or not seen as out of the norm yeah. but i would like to go back and see the coverage of how the media handled it and if it, it was like hey this is kind of a big deal we have a pretty big name actor coming in for what appears to be a guest role on a top flight show that's mm-hmm. very interesting at the time i would imagine you know mm-hmm. <clears throat> especially yeah. it's also ooh. I find, I like uh, I like the show calling itself out for things that television shows do. Are you talking about when what I'm? Yeah, I brought this down too about yeah. Little Bobby. <laughs> yeah, about how they you know they bring in this character that we're five years deep yeah. into the show and like we've never heard about him. Well, but apparently they did the same thing with Ral- Rich, uh, Ralphie, Richie, and Ralphie. Yeah. Like this is a dude and Richie. It was a little different because it was the second yeah. season, but like Ralphie was that way where it's like, oh hey, here's this really important guy to everybody that you've never heard yeah. of. But I've also I was reading something today and they were like, that's not all that uncommon when this happens to one of these guys. Mm -hmm. So they go to prison and they're gone for a while. And like there's a sort of out of sight, out of mind mentality where like, yeah, they're a big deal to the people that knew them 10 years ago. But to the newer generation or people that are a little younger, like to Chris's people's age, uh, they wouldn't really care and it's not like he's a boss so it's kind of a mid-level dude he was important to people who were he was important to and other than that 
Like his kids didn't even show up to the party. Well, his kid was kids and wife. Wait, how many kids did he have? He had twins and a, and a wife that didn't show and up. And he to had the party. one of his twins' daughters ran away. Okay, that was the girl who looked like she was going to a Slipknot concert, right? <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. You saw the Anarchy shirt. <laughs> okay, yeah, that was yeah, uh, who I think that that's... was. Like I said, I was I was drunker at the beginning of this episode oh, than it was the first okay. episode. All right. So if I missed a tiny detail here, or there, yeah, they showed a girl who looked like it. she was like front center at a Slipknot or Corn concert, and I remember seeing that. I do. I don't remember that being his daughter, I, but I just you could be right. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, also no, this. Woodford Reserve is making oh, that a little hazy no. for me. Okay. And his mom is um his mom is Olivia's mom. Or Olivia's sister. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. That's how they're related okay. to the moms. Okay. Their uh Tony's speech at the beginning was very akin to Tony where he starts off on this real high note. Mm-hmm. By the end, we're getting nostalgic and depressed about yeah. what's 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 left us now. Right. With the uh, what they call him, uh, uh, Tony Uncle Johnny yeah. and Tony Uncle whatever Julio or whatever his name. Julio. Was. I don't think he was that. He's not a chip. He's not. He's not of of chips and and uh, restaurants. I don't believe. Uh, I think it was Tony Tony Uncle Al. Tony Uncle yeah. Al. Uh, I wrote it down here just as a a little. F- Fun fact, and I think I might have written it on the last episode as a fun fact, since Pussy's wife gets a mention in this episode. Um, she, the actress, became a storyboarder for the show this season, or a story editor for the oh, show wow, this season. Oh, wow, okay. So people moving in and out of on-screen on roles to behind-the-camera roles isn't necessarily something that's been unheard of mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, I... I, I was just yeah. That's on a different level. No, and I and I'm with you on your conversation we had yeah. a minute ago. I was just, just want to throw that. That's in there interesting. Too. I wonder how common that is for an actor to go. I I guess I guess I bet Chris, it's more common. Yeah, than and I guess you know like Chris, but he is a big uh, he, he's a big star. I'm talking about like a secondary actor, like because yeah. Chris, you know, or um, uh, Michael Imperioli wrote episodes. And I think right. I might have directed some. I'm not sure. So I guess it's not that uncommon. But I bet it's very common because like think about it if you're i mean it's probably a little less common to be a 35 40 year old actor actress Mm -hmm. and it and you know unless that's your sustained career moving back and forth but thinking about all the 22 23 year olds that are taking any job they can get on a film set and if it's on a tv show then if they have any acting chops and they need an extra or they need uh you know two three lines and they don't necessarily want to go pay this guy over here yeah. for thirty thousand. We've already hey, got you already on here. the payroll. Exactly, you're, yeah. you're already on the the cumulus payroll. Uh, that's right. We got you. So why don't you come on? I bet that happens pretty often. Yeah, I, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's cool. That's cool. I want to work on movies. <laughs> let me do. Let me do two lines. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> I thought it was interesting in the Sepulwall book. They kind of talk about how. They were pretty much like brothers. They're they're like best friends, and then, you know, Basimi's the one who goes to prison, and now Tony mm-hmm. is kind of the ruler of everything, and he gets back, and he's sort of not. You know, he's he's driving a laundry truck. You know, he he's living with his mom in her basement. Though Tony's living with his in his mom's house too, even though she's not. Yeah, you know. but you know, and also you know, Tony kind of wants him to get back in the game. 
But uh, he doesn't really want that. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go straight. I'm going to start. I'm going to uh, start being a masseuse. And this, like, it, it, it makes a lot of sense for where I'm fairly certain that the season's going. And I've read a little bit ahead, so I, I do know. I know he inevitably dies. Right. And, like, you know, this episode and, I mean, the show in particular is about tragic figures and their need for a tragic end. Mm-hmm. Um, we're clearly on that path for Tony. Yeah. That there's... This, it's not going to end well, however it does. And Steve Buscemi is a... Or Steve Buscemi. Uh, well, Tony B is... Be, yeah, I mean, however you want to say it. I know what you're saying. Because they're both named Tony. However you want to say it I is is fine. Buscemi yeah, Tony yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Tony B is... Like... You, you you don't get out. We just did a scene two years ago where they told Chris like when you're when they're inducting you, you don't get out. Yeah. Like you can go to prison, and if you want to come out and try and be straight, that's cool. Uh, but they're either gonna lean on you mm-hmm. until you do what they want them to do anyway, or they're gonna kill you. Yeah, and that's I mean that's the way it is. But this guy apparently found his calling as a massage therapist. Yeah. Which is a very Sopranos new job for somebody, yeah. just mundane and stupid and like hilarious. I don't know. It was really good, and also just the thought of Steve Buscemi as my massage therapist <laughs> kind of creeps me out. Um, I would be all into it. I'd be yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> Film dork Trey would definitely be all into it. Uh, uh, he does love to break balls, though, man. He is a ball buster. He sure yeah. is, and Tony's not a fan. No. Tony doesn't like it. Excuse me, what'd you just say? What did you just say to me? Yeah. <laughs> and then he repeated the joke. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, he's he's busting everyone's balls. And then that was a pretty intense scene where Tony gets him out, takes him outside and is like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, you can't say this to me. And then he yeah. get and then Steve Buscemi kind of gets a little scary because they, they talk about how dangerous of a guy he was. But now he's mm-hmm. sort of like not so much, but he's like, You're you're crowding me. I feel like he's kind of a, I mean, he, he's, he's a dude that was a bit of a badass on the outside, went inside for X amount of years and has, has kind of lent himself to this new life philosophy, Mm -hmm. but I bet he could fuck Tony Soprano up. Probably. Yeah. Like pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Steve Buscemi, I think could fuck anybody up spindly weird. He probably fights dirty as shit. Probably too. does. Probably has a razor blade somewhere. You know, everywhere. He <laughs> is a Peaky Blinder. Yeah, <laughs> that's not a. Bad I've never show. watched we Peaky Blinders. To, we might have to dip our toes into that. Maybe. Um. I and then at the end when he calls him in the middle of the night and like drunkenly sort of apologizes to him mm-hmm. and he's like but here's the thing you can't you just you can't talk to me like that it's for appearances more than anything and when, when it's just me and you you can call me fat all you yeah. want but like when we're with, with the boys none of the fat stuff all right oh also i wrote uh they mentioned that they put a bathroom cam tony and uh, tony and tony did like a they they put a bathroom camera in somewhere i forgot it was like a prank they did which i thought was odd <laughs> a bathroom That's camera funny. prank we did have a bathroom scene where uh after carmine dies and after he uh johnny and little carmine get in the fight at the funeral 
Johnny is on the shitter yeah. smoking a cigarette, talking to Tony about how annoyed he is with little car. Yeah. <laughs> After apparently spending however many years in Miami fixing bikini contests. Yeah. That sounds that might, awesome. That might be an exaggeration, but who knows what he does there. <laughs> that It might be, but I yeah. bet there's a pretty nice little game in fixing bikini contests. Sure, sure, sure. Uh yeah that I a little Carmine is so you, you could just put him in a Scarface movie like that guy he is, is a sleazy yeah. gangster yeah. guy yeah. like I don't know what other kind of characters that or what other jobs that guy's been able to get probably sleazy gangster guy probably tough he, he to looks get like the villain market. from uh Living Daylights the uh the eighties Bond movie he looks like a bad Batman henchman <laughs> <clears throat> from like. The from the Jack Nicholson Batman. Right, he looks like he needs to be wearing a a Hawaiian shirt with a with an Uzi, snorting <laughs> cocaine. He's he is uh, Al Pacino's stunt double yes. from Scarface. Yes. <laughs> uh, there was a weird explosion because so because Johnny Sachs, you know, at the wedding, Johnny Sachs doesn't seem that upset. And he goes to talk to talk to little Carmine. Nah, he's he's holding court. He's yeah, got all, he's got all the boys coming up, paying respects to him. And I guess they had something wrong with the rosary or, or whatever. I don't Some know. Some sort of subsect of Catholicism where they're getting all their panties up in the wad. These church people, something man. going on. And you hear an explosion, like right at the end of that conversation. That was sort of a foreshadowing. I forgot what the explosion was. Oh yeah, because Tony was watching the World War II documentary. That's right. And yeah. you hear an explosion from that at the very end of that. So you know there's something going on. That's a little mm-hmm. a little foreshadowing with that explosion, right? Yeah. So I guess um let's see here. I think the rest of this episode is sort of so focused on all of the informants. Yes, we had some that more informant are, stuff. Yeah. That are surrounding Tony yes. now. Uh there's Ray Curto, the just kind of ancillary dude. Yeah. Uh, he was helping the FBI decipher that post 9-11 pep talk. Tony yeah, gave. and I, I thought that was kind of a cool look at how slow these things go. Like that mm-hmm. is something from the beginning of last season, right? They did a lot of that showing you just like, hey, don't forget the FBI's here. Yeah. But they are uh, not making real big positive gains on their end. No. We had a lawyer being like, y'all got jack shit about, about against this Tony fella. Yeah. We don't know how he flipped this juror. We can't get anybody close to him. We got the idiot blonde girl, but she's not giving us anything. Right. She's just trying to become best friends with, uh, with the cop. And she's just also like every... kind of using her. Like she was pissed at that yeah. one girl. That was hilarious. Or, uh, you know, being all flirty with, with Chris. And she's like, Hey, She's got something going on here. Yep. And she caused, uh, at the beginning of the episode, she caused somebody to get arrested. That was a great scene. Like, you know, she's like, she's she's worried about being, you know, a subject of someone getting arrested. And so, yeah, like, like I love that because it's like this little bit of information. And the guy just fucking just bolts out. Like, he yeah. has to be somewhere now. And she's like, what, what's going on? Did I just cause that? Cause something? And that, that's kind of, I think, she's going to kind of look back on that one as the, like, catalyst for the end of Adriana. Like, yeah, yeah she was she had been informing and all that, but for her, she hadn't really given him anything of worth mm-hmm. until that moment. 
Like until right then, they haven't really gotten anything out of her. And that kind of kind of got me thinking just the way everybody in the show's kind of mental state has deteriorated since the very first episode. Um, I was thinking about their catalysts. And one of the relationships I had been thinking about was uh, Tony, Silvio, and Polly. How, you know, the last few years, that threesome, which was a pretty big comic relief threesome for us a lot of times. And they all, and they, in a very kind of thickest thieves threesome. Like they were all kind of on the same uh-huh. side, the first two seasons uh-huh. at least. Best friends, yeah. right? Well, what happened? What could be the catalyst that kind of breaks that up? Mm-hmm. They all murder their other best friend, maybe? Think that could maybe drive a, a wedge between yeah. a friendship? Yeah. And, because, I mean, literally since that happened, things have not been the same with those three. Mm-hmm. And then and then you add on top of that, one of them has ascended to captain. The Another one has ascended to uh, consigliere. And the other one went to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. It kind of got me thinking about everybody's catalysts for when things really broke badly for them. And I think this was Adriana's where she, because almost immediately she starts thinking about, and then, you know, she, of course they have people talking to her about pussy and pussy's wife and how they think about her. And it really, it really breaks into her that there is no good way out of Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. She's at that movie night. That's a really, (laughs) First, of, uh, I have a few comments. That's on- a terrible scene, Man. but she's awesome. Yeah, she's really good, and uh, I loved her breaking down that her, her performance was great. With the, I'm not who you think I am. I need to tell you uh-huh. something. She bolts out, and if you see a grown adult eat it yeah. that hard, something awful has happened. Yeah, to them. And they just let her go. Like, well, she probably should be driving. Right. right. She just she just bit the concrete. Yeah. You guys should help her. Yeah. It was like, like I said, that scene I don't know is that is the most uh, believable scene in the world because of the alcohol and because of like she breaks down five seconds after Roe was talking to her about Jesus and uh, well, yeah, about uh, betraying, you know, right, and then friends. right, and then they talk about Pussy's wife and how she's perceived and why she's not allowed in their little movie club to watch Citizen Kane and not have anything to yeah, talk they about have it afterwards. Nothing to talk about. Also, I thought it was weird they had a VHS. This is Very 2004. Odd. There's plenty of Blu Blu-ray or DVD players out, and I mean, Tony would be able to afford a DVD player. Tony would have Citizen Kane on yes, DVD. He would have. That's that was weird. Although maybe he had already taken it because uh, oh, he maybe. very soon after came right. and took all the shit out of the theater. Maybe. Room. Yeah, that could be true. I like that their divorce got petty in this episode. It did. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't know that that's the most believable scene, but uh, she acted her nuts off in that scene. She, she did. was great. Well, her she doesn't have nuts. And oh. She acted her lady nuts okay. off. Um, she's she is fantastic in this series. Yeah, and she's very good. I've heard that this is her kind of like swan song, very like maybe her best performance as an yeah. actress. Uh, she's really really good in Sons of Anarchy. Oh, she's in that. I, f- I found out last night she was also in Desperate Housewives. Not I don't really a care. bad show. I've only I've seen two seasons of it because my mom heard decent things. My 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 mom and my sisters would watch it. And it was on, I think, before or after Lost. Yeah, it, it was on after Lost, yeah. I think. 
And so not bad. Not a bad, not, I would not want to revisit it, but it was not a bad show. Maybe we do a collection. I don't even want to do that. (laughs) I mean, maybe we do one episode. I'm not even interested. It was good. It was like uh, a lot of mystery and weird stuff going on, you yeah. know. But so she, pre- I mean, she pretty much plays the same yeah. character in everything she's in, but she's really, really good at yeah. it. Uh, and this is this is her at her finest, and she can fill out a pair of jeans, man. Her and uh, in this is the first episode that Meadow. Uh, Jamie Lynn Sigler is listed as Jamie Lynn something, right? Because she got married. Boo. Boo. It's okay. I can still think about Ro. Yeah, she's great. I like her voice. She's got a really like good voice. Yeah, she is a great uh, woman that grew up in the seventies. Yes. Voice smoking Maybe, yeah. a, lot a lot of, of cigarettes, a lot of bunch cigs. of ciggies. Uh, we do have, um, yeah, the guy who turned on Tony, or the the oh yeah, the Jack Massarone yeah, with the rat Masserone. pack painting. Yeah, this was a harder. This was a harder storyline for me to follow. We had, you know, like I there's a lot because of, of all the FBI yeah. stuff. Yeah, and I was, you know, you're trying to keep up with like all the other bits and pieces, and then they introduced they introduced a lot of new characters in these first couple episodes. So this one was a little bit difficult for me to like follow. But from what I gather, this is a a guy that he's known for a really long yeah. time. He's been good friends with, and they get a tip on him after their first meeting that I guess Patsy tips them off that he is a new, or he is an informant for the FBI. And, uh, the next thing, so he sets up another meeting with, with the guy Tony does, but this time he's patting him down <laughs> and he does, he couldn't find the wire, but wire was in his hat. And uh, he, uh, the guy says he asked Tony if he's lost weight. Yeah, said he looked good or something, and that was the comment that he knew. He knew right then that uh, it was all over. And then, of course, they find him dead the next day. Yep. After he tosses the painting out the the moving the window of a moving car. Yeah, you would think because you would think maybe that was that painting would have been bugged, right? Maybe. Yeah. I, oh, I didn't think yeah. about that. I don't think that's why yeah. he did it, but I, I was thinking about that. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe there's a funny joke in this uh, in this episode about Polly where he's compared to Grandpa Munster. Yeah, that was good. Which I absolutely loved that. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is this is something that I think we've kind of touched on, and I still think it's the bravest decision that this show has made, or that this, this this show makes is putting the FBI stuff and you know, last year, junior's trial Mm -hmm. on the sidelines as kind of an ancillary storyline. There's a whole other show right there. Yeah. Like there's an entire other show. That's probably 80 to 90% as good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there, there's just an FBI show about the FBI trying to get to take down a mob. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or even just this exact show, but all of the FBI stuff, Mm -hmm. like just the chase. But they do it in a good way, and they kind of explain to you in this episode, like we were saying a second ago, that like the reason why we're not doing this every single episode is they don't have right. anything. Yeah, like they've been doing this for four and a half years, and they've got nothing. I think if you were to do a show, it would have to be a little more. There'd have to be a pace to it, right? Like, mm-hmm. couldn't just be like this, where it's a little more realistic, where they don't have shit. 
and you'd want you'd almost want to have the time stamp on it of look we're doing three seasons 36 episodes and at the end the the game plan is either our hero dies or is arrested mm-hmm. like that should be like if you're going to do that type of a show like it should be done that way well, i mean similar the- similar to breaking bad kind yeah. of did it that way yeah well yeah you're right because hank was definitely a De- hank was definitely more of a main character uh, mm-hmm. And that was more of a focus than Sopranos ever was. That was, yeah, that was right. half the focus sometimes. Was Hank yeah, trying I mean, to find, get Walt. Breaking Bad is very, uh, I mean, it could be looked at as kind of the answer to Sopranos as this is the focus of the law mm-hmm. part of it mm-hmm. rather than just the, you know, intricacies of the family and, uh, you know, being a drug lord or a mobster or whatever. Um yeah, I have a friend who is mobster finishing. Yes, he's a mobster. Okay. No, I have a friend who's finishing up the end of Breaking Bad for the first time, yeah. probably in the next week or two. And I know that we've discussed that being possibly our next big project. The episodes are pretty. They're pretty uh, short seasons, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Well, do you have any more on uh, these first couple episodes here? Um, I kind of like how understated Bushimi is. You know, you don't really yep. know his whole game right now. You know, because when we, when we were introduced to a lot of these characters, they kind of came out with a bang, right? You had Richie mm-hmm. uh, beat the guy up. Uh, you had, you know, Ralphie uh, causing some shit. You've had a whole bunch of, like, character introductions with kind of a big moment and this right it's a little more it was kind of teased in the first episode this episode you know they tony and tony uh meet up and they're reminiscing and then you have the party and you're kind of getting you know kind of learning about the guy slowly mm-hmm. you know and i bet the coverage of it you know even if it wasn't being lauded as this oh my god we there's this huge film star in uh, this tv show that everybody loves Mm -hmm. it probably was billed for the entire you know build up to this as just just wait Mm -hmm. bushimi's coming Mm -hmm. bushimi's coming and he gets there and he's like i don't really want to be a gangster anymore yeah oh yeah no that's yeah kind of want to be a massage because i mean at this point i mean bushimi's like most famous roles are uh you know uh fargo and Mm -hmm. pulp fiction or not pulp fiction i mean he wasn't pulp fiction but uh mainly reservoir dogs and he kind of yeah. plays a more of a Joe Pesci kind of violent character, you know? Honestly, this is totally in line with this show. Yeah. David Chase and this show are addicted to the anticlimax. Yeah. And it's him showing up and, like, wanting to be a massage yeah. therapist yeah. is textbook anticlimax. It, it is funny watching this show and, like, the whole end of the series. And you, we look at it now without... You know, people look at it now, like the end of The Sopranos with the cut to black. And maybe I think the people that don't like it or the people that have problems with it. And you can have problems with it. That's fine. Uh, But I think if you watch the show and really study the show, I mean, there is no other way they would have ended it. Right. (laughs) That's how they're going to end it. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, you know, I think that kind of ties in with the the uh the big anniversary of the day sure um it's today is saturday in case anybody has uh made it to the end of the podcast uh and today is the 10-year anniversary of the season series finale of yeah and i know we did 
uh, like 35 to 40 hours on Lost, mm-hmm. but I felt like we might should dedicate five minutes at the end of the show to the end of Lost. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I started to read an article the other day and it was uh, it was basically the Lost finale was great and you all just didn't get it, mm-hmm. uh, which I think pretty much sums up what we kind of talked about with Dan uh, when we and we reposted that podcast today. <clears throat> so if you're wanting to re-listen to Dan, somebody you actually care and care about and like talk about a show that you may or may not like, go ahead and listen to it. It's lots of fun. Uh, I think that that kind of rolls into that, that just because you didn't like the end doesn't mean it's not good, number one. And number two, pay attention along the way, because they're probably, the way they wrap the show up is probably going to be the way that that whole show is laid out Mm -hmm. to you. And Lost was never there to answer every question that you had. It was there to make you think about it. You really realize that. that is what the end is. That's the end of losses. It's there for you to decide what you think happened. And you really realize that rewatching the show, because like mm-hmm. rewatching it, you know, because like I think when it's on, you're going to message boards, you're going. I mean, for me, I was looking at everything. I was researching. You get was, wrapped up in the in the yeah, search, and so you know? every little detail. And you know, you have a week. You have a week to to think about it. You know, each episode. So every little detail. Where's the answer to this? This and this and this. But when you watch it kind of how we did it. And even like, if you're just kind of binge watching that, that stuff kind of doesn't matter, you right. know? And, and some of the smaller mysteries are just like kind of thrown to the side or not really. Sometimes, sometimes the buildup between episodes is the worst thing that can happen to a show. Yeah. Because people start fantasizing about outcomes that you decided on what was going to happen six months ago. Yeah. And like, we probably thought about that bullshit that you thought about this week. And we're like, that's not really what we do. Mm-hmm. We're not going to do that. Cause that's not how we do this show. Uh, and if you pay attention like we did, and it's not every, it's not really anybody's fault. It's just how the medium's taken in over time. But like, if you pay attention to them, almost every single show, it's going to end in the same way that they laid it all out. Mm-hmm. It's going to have that same concept and same feel. Now for our weekly Game of Thrones mention. Uh, that's not how they did yeah. it. <laughs> that is not how they did it. It was very different from the end. So if you want to shit on that one, we can all shit on that one. I'll give you the pass. But I won't hear any lost hate. No. I not, will not today of all days. Not today. And, and it's just one of those it. things. And I read another article uh, that kind of, I, I guess they had um, Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof uh, mention or like talk about it a little bit. But you know, so like a lot of people saw it once, they hated it, and then that, and then you know, you have all these movies and TV shows lampoon it, the little barbs right. at it. Even Community did it, you know, uh, rewatching that, and then that kind of becomes cemented in its legacy, and you don't see it for the whole, for the whole, right? It becomes a blur. Mm-hmm. It just becomes right. Oh, lost comes the butt end of a joke. Disappointing, bad, and. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's bad at all. I think the last season was the weakest season, but I don't mm-hmm. think it ruined the show whatsoever. And I think that I, don't I think, think so the either. Flash Sideways stuff was the best. Best stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the I think uh, you know, I'm glad that we went back and re because, like I said, I didn't have a super positive outlook on the finale mm-hmm. and the last season, and then rewatching it, 
you know, and then rewatching it, I was able to pick out the stuff that I didn't like yeah. and the stuff that I did like a lot easier this time around. I think that was probably the third time I'd seen it. Um, I was able to pick things out a little bit better and just find the the through line from the beginning to the mm-hmm. end too. You know, like you put yourself in the right frame of mind, you're able to see it and like. It's a complicated show. Nobody's here to say that it's simple or that it's not frustrating, but that's kind of the point, right? To be complicated and, I don't know, people like Westworld. Yeah. People (laughs) like Westworld. Uh, Yeah, so, I mean, I feel old as hell, though. Ten years since the finale of that Crazy. That does not seem real. We're getting old, Trey. Time moves fast. Very old. Very old. Are we going to accomplish anything, or are we just going to be doing diddly podcasts for the rest of our lives? I think it's probably that. Well, that's okay. At least we get to chat with friends a couple times a week, right? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go cry. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. All right. We'll be back. We laugh ourselves to cry. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.